You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brand Architect Podcast, the podcast that helps you build strong and lovable brands online. So um, today I have a very interesting guest. Uh, we're going to have another unscripted conversations, and I'm absolutely sure that you're going to enjoy it because it's going to be very useful, and especially if you're looking forward to uh, establish your presence on the LinkedIn, uh, which I highly recommend you doing. This is going to be very useful for you. So um, let's welcome Srink Naguyen. Hello, Srink. How are you doing? Hi. Pretty good, thank you. How are you today? Fine, fine, thanks. Um, I was just saying that everyone who wants to build their presence on LinkedIn, which they absolutely should do, uh, you know, uh, have to listen to this episode. So uh, just a, a brief intro from my side, and then I'll let you introduce yourself in terms of adding up to what I'll say. Well, String is a person whom I have noticed way before LinkedIn was a very popular platform. Um, and uh, she's very good with LinkedIn marketing and personal branding. And she's been a top voice of LinkedIn three times before. Uh, and at the moment, uh, she's also the founder of the Trusted Voice. So um, would you like to tell us a bit more about what the Trusted Voice is about? The Trusted Voice is a startup that I just recently established last year to help professionals, leaders and experts build up an online presence because I noticed that they're really shit content creators. Like, But they have so much things to say here, but yeah. they just don't know how to like market themselves or know how to like um, in- create engagement on LinkedIn, I noticed. So I thought it's yeah. important that they archive their knowledge but also build up their personal presence online because, you know, like if you don't have an online presence, you're kind of silent. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially now, I, I just did a video a few days ago talking about the importance of, you know, online presence. When things like this happen, like completely unprecedented times when people are locked down and, uh, you know, the opportunities of physical presence and being on physical events is, is you know, basically known. Um, those who don't have an online presence to kind of go back to or to rely on at the moment uh, have to build it from scratch and it's so much harder, right? So um, also those who have lost jobs, um, you know, if you have a personal brand already, it's so much easier to stand out and, and to find an, uh, the new job, right? COVID-19 has made people pretty much even everyday professionals become content creators now because um, COVID-19 has given them the opportunity to say, oh, what do I do now? I feel like I should use this opportunity to build up my voice. And I think um, I noticed that even though you, if you don't have your online presence, you can still start. It's just that you have a backlog of your knowledge and your everything that you try to do. It's almost like you're trying to catch up and yeah. then you because you need to do the catch up first before you start creating content that's, relevant today or in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to the equipment, uh, when I launched my podcast about, uh, I think it's mm. been already six years um, uh, ago, you know, uh, I started with just one $65 worth of microphone. And that's what I stick to for, for a few years uh, because uh, it, it was simple. It worked. It did the job. Uh, so, you know, sometimes the problem is that people think that they have to spend too much money and buy too many things. And and while you have too many things, you have to figure out how it all works together. And then it becomes overwhelming. And just because of that, they don't go further because mm-hmm. it's too much at the same time. So I always recommend people to start smaller and just build it on top of it based on their, you know, how comfortable they are with, with everything. Um, yes. So yeah. yeah. And I agree with that sentiment because... I'm trying to grow my YouTube now as well, and I realize it's like a whole different ball game. So I haven't gone into a deep dive. Like I'm slowly getting to deep dive on link YouTube because I've already gone for a deep dive on LinkedIn, and you know these are two different platforms. But I think um once you have ownership of one platform like LinkedIn, you see the similarities of being a channel, and you could create channels on different platforms. But you need to be awesome in one channel before you build up different different distribution channels I notice. Okay, interesting then. Uh, so so my follow-up question would be, uh, 
if you have, I mean, there are so many possibilities and so many different channels, right? How do you pick up one to start with? Because, uh, you know, what are the parameters, what you should look at in order to decide which one to pick? And it comes back to money because content creation or building up a channel takes a lot of your time. You probably know this already. Yes, and a lot of people think that we make it look easy, but mm-hmm. once you maintain it, you have to keep going. It's like a car that never turns off. Yeah. Imagine uh, that. You need to be consistent. Right. Yeah. And, true. And it's also like a car that doesn't turn off because if you stop, people forget about you. Yes. And it's a game of, um, especially with social media, it's a game of like you have to be on top of mind. Yes. So if you don't, if you drop your content or your volume, and a lot of people are like, it's about quality. It's no, it's not. It's the way that LinkedIn works is all based on algorithms, but the way you choose is based on where would you have the most impact, whether it be money or in terms of people or in terms of uh, reson- resonance with your folks as well. So you need to know where your audience are. And a lot of people love Instagram, but does your audience, your folks, your people hang out on link on Instagram? But I know that like um, I have a lot of like a business, vo- like I have a strong business sense. So I went onto LinkedIn because I know I have an advantage. The unfair advantage is that I know how to create content that's engaging. Yeah. So I chose to be on LinkedIn because uh, I knew that I could have rapid growth on there because uh, very few people have very strong creative content skills. And if and even if a, a content creator jumps onto LinkedIn, if they don't know how to be professional or stand out or taken seriously, they would people won't take them seriously. So it's like this game. It's like of perception. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Uh, LinkedIn. I mean, when you were starting, I remember it was about. I, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Okay, we, we noticed you. I mean, I noticed you two years ago. And the way I did it two years ago, to be fair, I wasn't really active on LinkedIn because, uh, I mean, back then it wasn't such an exciting and interesting place to be. As you mentioned, there weren't many content creators. Uh, it was mainly, uh, you know, a place where people were posting. The, I mean, it was like a CD placement Place, right yes. or you know for looking for jobs or some stuff like that yeah. so um i didn't really use it but the, the first time i noticed you was um we were at work and my ex-boss um told me like look at this girl she's everywhere she's always on linkedin do- doing videos right so you know we he didn't even know what you were about he didn't even know what topics you were covering but he could see it in your thread right in his thread right um and it stood out because back then I mean, I don't know if anyone else was doing videos on LinkedIn, video content creation on LinkedIn. So yeah. um, h- how did you decide to, to do that? Like, you know, why? because back then LinkedIn wasn't very popular or active place to be at. Like, you know, what was, uh, did you know that this is how it's going to develop or, you know, what happened? Um, um, I guess like my story started five years ago when I got first introduced to video because I've always been a social media kid and I always promoted my work because I was an artist as well and I, I did well being an artist promoting my work online for two okay. years. But I noticed it wasn't sustainable because grants only giving you so much and, like, being, an art, bro- being a broke artist is not what I imagined my life to be mm-hmm. like. So I switched over to uh, become more business savvy and moved to a different uh, city and that's when I got introduced to Meerkat um, so for people who don't know Meerkat, Meerkat is like Periscope before Periscope and Twitter squished it. But yep. within within Meerkat, I was able to even monetize by um, putting Bitcoin into it. So I had, uh, within six months, I gained 44,000 followers. I was number one in Asia and Australia. I was like the top four, um, 20 worldwide um, because of the engagement in the club. And I'm monetized using Bitcoin. And I wish if I had one Bitcoin, I'd be rich right now. But that's the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and and then it got squished and I didn't, um, I should have like pushed over to t- YouTube then because YouTube has longevity, right? But um, what I did was I switched over to Snapchat, doing the same thing, building up a channel, creating consistent content, building highly engaged audience as well. And by having all those three things, I noticed that I created a network where I tapped into other people's network as well. And I used that formula onto Snapchat and I won awards on that 
But it was really, but being in Australia, I couldn't monetize that because Australia businesses are quite conservative compared to America. So if I want to do Snapchat as a business, I should have stayed in America. But I chose to come back to Australia. And that the day that I wanted, like, I decided, okay, I better stop doing Snapchat was the day that LinkedIn knocked onto my door and said, String, I love your videos. Would you like to be a beta video uh, tester? So I got ac- early oh, okay. access to video and no one had access to video. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And then I doubled down. I tripled down. And I went kind of went viral on it. And like people's like, how can I get a video? How can I get a video? So I knew that that was the day that I had to like double down on video. And I think video is actually quite hard because I made it look easy because I just used my phone and I did one takes. Um, and then I like, uh, I think if I have one regret, it's not maintaining video, but it's just because I, I gained more business. And I had an opportunity to create my own startup and teach other people to do it. So I had to like hold back on on my own things so I could like develop product. So that my my creativity actually went on to product development instead of content development. And okay. I have no regrets. I have no regrets at all. It's just that I just have to play a different game. So I've been testing out different ways of creating content. Um, and now I'm slowly getting back onto creating videos because video is still a very powerful tool for me because it's yep. a great amplifier a great way to attract people with your energy it shows authenticity you can't bullshit on video no no you can't fake it yeah it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. just not gonna happen you you can fake it with other formats you can even have a ghostwriter who's gonna write your blog but you know with videos and especially with live streams uh you know when you don't really have this opportunity to polish it later on to make it look much nicer and you know to put you into the right lighting and angles and all that stuff uh definitely yeah. not um, but <laughs> let's say um for people who are kind of you know starting out or don't really have strong online presence um i mean even linkedin right now already is a very crowded place because lots of content creators have joined re- even recently during the you know quarantine okay. and by having too much time in their hands at the moment uh so how do you actually stand out because it's already crowded and and uh, many people are doing videos as well these days uh where do you start how do you look at finding that unique part of you and how do you showcase that oh there's two approaches that we could do it and if you if you feel like you're not a strong content creator i just recommend that you just comment a lot people okay. underrate commenting because commenting is content right yeah. so if you could engage into leverage and engage with a very popular LinkedIn person, what happens is people read your comment. I notice I have really hyper engagement on my com- on my posts and people argue sometimes in my posts as well. Mm-hmm. But that these like things helps with the algorithm because every time someone posts, it has it goes on top of my feed, it goes on top of their feed, it goes in and it pings people who contribute as well. So it has like a triple effect. So commenting is a great way to engage and learn how the landscape of LinkedIn works. Um, but secondly, if you really want to take seriously, I have a formula where I call the seven V's of brand influence. Would you like to, like, oh, let's absolutely. use it on you, Annie. Absolutely. Like, yeah. What's your vision? So I'm going for the first V. What's your vision for the world? Or, like, what's your big vision? Uh, well, I, I, I absolutely love people who create uh, things from scratch. So I love the, the concept and the idea that, you know, things wouldn't exist if the, those people didn't make them. So, like, you know, all this option of creative process and creating something from scratch and ending up presenting it to the world, like writing books, creating content, you know, launching podcasts, just sharing the, the, the ideas in a creative concept and format is, is something that really excites me. And, and I have something similar to you. I want to increase creative vibes in the world. So I'm also looking for people who want to add their mm-hmm. vibes and create positive impact as well. Okay, what is your values, like personal values? Uh, well, I mean, I, uh, fairness, first of all, like being fair, um, being open and, uh, and not faking things. So like, you know, fake it till you make it is, is like the, the advice that I absolutely hate. <laughs> and what about, what about your value prop? Like if people, what is like your business value as well? Like what do people come to you for? Uh, 
I mean, I don't really have a business at the moment. So I work full time in, in, in the blockchain space. So, you know, I'm a marketing professional. Uh, I'm still, you know, at the moment, I'm looking at things that I could offer. But uh, that's the problem that I'm having. I can't really get a clear idea of what to choose because I have too many ideas floating in my mind. So then, that's the challenge. <laughs> at the but in the blockchain world, do people come to you for advice about how to market themselves? Uh, how to market their blockchain projects, yes. There you go. Something to consider. Like at the moment, your current value within the blockchain market is that people come to you to ask for marketing advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then your visuals. What are your visuals? Like my one is glasses and fried chicken. Uh, I mean, I'm a very unstable person, so it's it's kind of, uh, it varies. I don't really have one thing that, you know, a hat or a glasses or whatever. I don't really, I haven't picked anything to be fair. So I'm, I'm kind of, it varies. Like I, I may have a, a tail or I can, just, I mean, it, it's just different based on the mood. I'm not really consistent in that sense in terms of visuals. So I'm consistent with my brand, like my personal brand colors. And, you well, know, what's your color? um, it's this special uh, kind of, you know, a slightly um, a special shade of uh, red, white, and black. I mean, white cool. and black are not really colors, but yeah, those three are, you know, simple, uh, not too many colors, not, not I mean, simplistic, minimalistic stuff. Yeah. And Vokes. So Vokes, like, um, you gave me a really good intro about who your folks are. So V is a German for Vokes. It's German for people, like Volkswagen, mm-hmm. people for the cars. Yep. So mm-hmm. I use V to keep, you know, with alliteration, who are the people that you want to take care of? Um, creative content creators. Cool. I'm one. So I'm technically your Vogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then we go from, like, um, your voice, which is, like, your key messages and your tone as well, and you're definitely all about, like, uh, creativity and you believe in, like, uh, transparency and so you have all these key messages as well. So why do you create your podcast? Like, what is the key theme about your podcast? Okay, so my, my podcast, like, has a long history, right? The very initially, uh, I had a podcast which which was for about four years, I think. So it was called Right to be Read. Uh, I'm using the same thread right now, uh, the same feed for it. Uh, but it was specifically for writers who wanted to become self-published authors, so it was all about uh, writing, about the mindset blogs, about, uh, you know, book marketing, self-publishing, everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Brand Architect is kind of the follow-up development of it. Like the Right to be Read podcast had uh, had a certain mission and it's still there, about 200 episodes, about everything you need to know. Uh, the mission was basically the listener can get a free resource from start to finish uh, to end up with seeing their name on a book cover and end up with their books, right? So it's all there. I ended up with about 20, 30 people writing to me that they ended up with their books out there. They're very happy. I, I was happy that, you know, they have enough information for free to get that done. Okay. Um, Brand Architect is kind of a follow-up, a build-up on top of it because uh, now it's not just for writers, it's uh, about any personal brand, right? It can be speakers, it can be, you know, uh, podcasters, content creators, just people who are working somewhere else but want to build their own online presence, small business owners, like anything that needs kind of a brand and and um, visibility and kind of, you know, uh, marketing aspects of, of their uh, their stuff that they are putting out there. So basically, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's not so related to the writers specifically, but it's kind of a build up and follow up of, of the same logic, right? Back there, it was about uh, ending up with a book. Now it's with ending up with a brand, basically. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. So we went from vision, values, Vokes, visuals, voice, and then the next two one is victory because you want to like know how to monetize and um, build a sustainable business on your brand. And the the last one is validations because you need to have goals as well to see what growth you have as well. And when you have all these seven things, especially if you understand your vision, your values, and your folks, I think that's like the key three things before you like do anything else. I think. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. You just have, um, as I said, like right now, uh, that is the stage I am at. Uh, I, I truly think that you need to have clarity about the fundamental things, just like, you know, you have your own pillars. Many people have different pillars in terms of, I mean, it's just a different phrasing, but it's the same thing, right? Know yes. your target market, know who you are doing it for, know like what are you offering and what results you bring and et cetera, et cetera. So it's different phrasing of the same thing. But I truly believe that until you are very clear about those and you, when, you know, until you are comfortable about that, to, to know that you can be consistent and stick to it for a while, uh, just putting out stuff and just building on, on something you are not very clear about is not a good idea. So I'm kind of in this period of trying to get more clarity be, before building everything else on top of it. Uh, but many people just, you know, are very impatient and, and just rush without really getting yeah. the answers to those questions, right? Well, like, I actually think um, if you're starting out and you haven't done your voice, like, I went through the vomit stage when I first started out as well. And I think we need to vomit out all our ideas. Yeah. And then that with with those kind of vomit stage, you see what works and what doesn't work. But I think we need to declutter our head sometimes. Yes. Um, and we have to go through the process because sometimes, like, um, we have a lot of ideas, so we just need to, like, throw it out there. So mm -hmm. I guess, like, that, and for anyone who's in the early stage, it's okay to go through the vomit stage. I actually recommend that you go through a vomit stage the first three months sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah so then you get a feedback loop and then you you take it from there yes okay. and also you need to find your own style and but if you don't have a mentor or coach because like, that's what the trusted voice is like you, it's a safe space for you to vomit out self-discover but for people who want to scale faster it has that as well mm -hmm. yeah I got it uh, do you want to share your experience about that vomit stage and how did it go and how did you discover the feedback loop and kind of you know ended up with finding out your stuff yeah because like I think like makeup was a good example because um it's my first stream was me just streaming people talking uh-huh I didn't even show my face because that's yeah. the first fear is like how do you get over that fear right and I think it's just like doing and practicing and the first time you do things, you're never very good at it anyway. But yeah. what I try to do is, like, I guess my kind of thinking is, like, I want to get better at one thing at a time. Okay, yeah. And by doing that, like, it just progressively builds up good habits and stuff. And the first the vomit stage that I had was that I realized that um, people like it when I had collaboration with other influencers. Mm -hmm. And also um, they liked it when I talked um talk about how to like leverage the it's almost been very meta i met uh, people like it when i talk about meerkat on meerkat and mm. it's the same thing on linkedin like people loved it when i talk about linkedin on linkedin uh -huh. and that's when i had rapid growth and um and that's just because they want to see me as like oh what new thing is string following because there's a lot of like influencers who who started the same time at me and they had 100k growth but they still come to me and it's like what like string can you tell me what works and what doesn't work as well? It's like, how, how come this is broken? So they still come to me to tell me what's not working. So I got this like feedback loop from from influencers itself. Okay, got it. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned about putting your face out there. Like I, my podcast was purely uh, audio for two years. And to be fair, I was like, I, I totally freaked out from videos. Uh, not even, you know, about interviews like this, but when you do like solo live streams, when you just talk to a camera, right? It, it, it felt extremely stupid to me. It was really <laughs> super uncomfortable. And uh, and then, you know, there are times when you, you, you get hooked up with, oh my God, like, you know, my hair is not perfect. Oh my God, my look, my background, this and that. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think kind of, you know, um, taking it row, and just showing it, hey, guys, this is a live stream, right? It's it's not a specifically produced stuff. I'm not in a studio. You're, you're not supposed to expect, like, high-quality production. It's just me talking to you just from my living room, right? Yes. Uh, and I think that kind of helped me realize that, you know, the feedback loop that I had was was about, uh, you know, the, the, it, it can be distilled into... Um, all this doesn't matter. All we care about is the message and what what you've got to say, right? You know, because very often they even 
they have it on the background. They are not even watching the video. They just listen to what you're saying while they are, you know, doing something else kind of thing, right? So, And I think that there's another thing that I like chose video as well. <coughs> I was a shit writer. <coughs> it doesn't look like okay. it now, but I was like, I almost failed English. And um, my mum was born from overseas and I think that kind of impacted me as well. Mm-hmm. And I realised like um, with video, as long as I convey the message, the key message and showcase why the message is important and share like the and stack it up with stats or stack it up with how I did it, a lot of people resonated with that key message more than me writing perfect English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and But along the way, like it, even I still wanted to write better because I noticed like by writing better, it improved my communications as well. Mm-hmm. And and I get a lot of free editors because people come in like, I think what it is, what I realise, people want permission to talk to me so they tell me my spelling mistakes and I used to get really upset about it but I think it's just them wanting me to do well it's like oh she might be feel sad if she's got a typo and so I like I realized they just want to have an opportunity to connect with me okay yeah I get it yeah interesting um so let's get back to LinkedIn since you said that you know because you've been so much into it since quite a long time and and you you've got this feedback loop from influencers and you also do all these experiments uh someone who is starting and wants to grow their own LinkedIn presence and LinkedIn audience um where do you start and what what you should pay attention to um the first thing like so I think like we would know traditionally that LinkedIn has been used as a resume Mm-hmm. And we know that's changed. And because it's changed because, like, people are – because it's not static anymore. It's dynamic now. Yeah. So you still need to, like, update your LinkedIn profile, but you can't treat it like a LinkedIn profile anymore. It's like a landing page. Mm-hmm. It's like an introduction of you. It's like how relatable are you? Because at the end of the day, like, if I'm one, if, I probably should show you a feedback loop, but I always imagine, like, when you create content, they want to connect with you. And, and what they do is go, they go see your profile. Yeah. And, and then it's like, do I want to connect with this person? Can I follow this person? Mm-hmm. How relatable is this person? And what happens is like they follow you because there's a difference between connect and follow now. And yeah. connection is like you and I are first connection. So that means like I, you have permission to directly message me. Mm-hmm. Follow means that um, as a channel, I'm following string as a channel so I can consume and follow her content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the difference. And a lot of people don't realize there's a difference. So connection means like it's still in the old traditional way, I think. So, you know, you could build up 30,000 first connections and that's where the hard limit is. But with followers being the channel, that means that you, there is no limit. Okay, so connections are, you know, for, for those of you kind of, you know, to, to give a um, uh, kind of uh, perspective, connections are your Facebook friends, uh, followers are your YouTube subscribers, right? Yes. Like, well, yeah. 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 Uh, even Twitter is probably a better Twitter or like Instagram. Mm. You can mm. follow that channel, but you can't, But then that person chose not to connect with you. Yes. And then you can't direct message them. Yes. You can't direct them. Yes. And I think um, if you, anything, I'll use the seven Vs as a way to think about how do you want to position yourself and how you want to brand yourself and create a, a dope LinkedIn profile where the call to action is like, follow me if you want to con- connect with me based on my content. So I think what it is like um, a lot of people don't realize that a, a good metric to know that you're growing is how many profile visits you have mm-hmm. instead of yeah. how many um, views I have of my content. Cause okay. it's like your like landing page is like your website now. Mm-hmm. A copy-driven mm-hmm. website of about you, and that's it. So if we treat LinkedIn like a website or Google, your homepage is your website. Okay, makes sense. Um, in terms of branding, like those who are working in a company, um, how how much do they have to showcase the company versus their personality? Because there's always this balance, right? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes the danger, uh, which I have realized is sometimes you may be uh, just perceived as uh, more as part of that company versus as, as a separate individual being, right? So how do you actually balance both on, on the LinkedIn profile? 
which is really hard because it depends. Like some companies want you to be authentic to yourself, mm-hmm. but you have to have the have that conversation first with the company. And at the moment, I have a few uh, members who do work for some. Like their uh, membership is being paid by the company itself. So okay. I have to. It's almost like you have to acknowledge that it's like being sponsored by them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even like when with sponsorship, it's almost like I have to because um, like I get. Uh, I'm sponsored by Lenovo sometimes, so I have to think about like, well, how does this look from a Lenovo's point of view? And like, am I a good brand ambassador or employee ambassador for Lenovo? So it's almost like that perception that you have to do as well. And um, when people, uh, if you get like so many profile visits and you introduce the company, for them, that's like, hey, like, I'm like a billboard for you now. Mm-hmm. So if you allow me to create content that is aligned with my values and your values. Why can't I go create content and be a brand ambassador or employee ambassador for the company as well? Why can't I be like another channel for, to promote the company? Yeah. But it feels more authentic if they um, came from me than come from through the company's page. Because company's page, I find, don't really resonate with a lot of people. People yes. want to do business with people at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um how do you see this, you know, the, there was this trend, I think it's still around, I just probably filtered out my thread in a way that it doesn't work that way anymore. But at one point, I was getting so many cold and automated messages and kind of, you know, sales pitches and everything else. So connection request, you accept, they punch you with a pitch, and then you don't reply, and then they auto send stuff over and over again. Like, how, Honey, how do you see this? Can you screenshot some and send it to me? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I have a game called Bot or Not. Okay. And I, so I, and, and also, I love libraries of, like, shitty content. <laughs> okay. Because I learn from it too because my clients want to message other people. So I so we play a game. I was like, would you message someone like this? So okay. we a- analyze it because a lot of people don't really think about how to create good first messages. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. And 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 you think and it's and I've seen some amazing first messages and I I wish I had more of that so I could show that. But what it is like um because there's approach I guess like the third approach is called social selling. Because pe- mm-hmm. those are tend to be very sales driven people because they want to what it is at the end of the day, they want to jump on phone calls with these particular clients. Yes. Um but you should not like pitch to someone on the first message. You want to build a relationship with them with the first message or yeah. get the permission to be first connections. You should warm up the lead beforehand. Cold approaches don't work because they don't care. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. So you don't want to give them an excuse to reject you because like they, if they get like, te- if you get a lot, imagine me and someone else, they get pitched quite a lot. So what I do is like when I do that, I just like, hey, I'll just screenshot this and add it to my library because I teach people this kind of stuff and not what to do. <laughs> so I just tell them that now. Um, and okay. people are really apologetic because they know what they do is wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing. I have noticed that too because when you reply to them like, you know, oh, you know, I don't really appreciate pitches on the first message or something like that, uh, they are like, oh, yeah, I get that. It's an it was an automated message. Uh, I just don't have time to talk to everyone one by one. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, if you don't have time to talk to me, then you know, I don't have time to speak to you for half an hour over a phone call. You know, because I don't even know you, right? So uh, it's just this uh, give and take thing, which is not balanced. You know, they they require your time and attention, but they don't even want to spend two minutes on just seeing who you are. Yes, and they're stressed out so much as well. So they're playing the numbers game because yes. their metric is like how many leads do they get per month? And they probably notice like what they do is like they play a volume game and they hope they get those 10 leads. But what they've done is pretty much destroy opportunities to learn from that experience or have those conversations. Um, yeah. So if anything, they cut themselves uh, short by creating an automated um, process and automation works if you know what messages works but if you don't have when you first start out automation is a bad approach because you one you don't get that feedback loop two you don't get to know your audience three 
you don't know what works and doesn't work. And you probably realize it's like who, you know, you could lose a $10,000 deal because you didn't build up that relationship properly. Yeah, absolutely. So formats of content on LinkedIn, like which, uh, based on the algorithms and the way it works at the moment, which format of, of the content is, is the preferred one? Like, you know, by, I mean, what algorithm loves most and, you know, which are the things that we should look at into because the same message can be put into different formats and then repurposed as well, right? So, so should we, test out everything or there is a certain thing we should start straight away with text does the best text okay interesting and with a good headline okay um, so, so copy and still works okay yeah copy works um and copy works is it the easiest and that's why i probably started doing more copy because like copy works and it's faster than to do video like that's why people chose to do video. But video still, like when I get videos, I get more traction. So I had to go back onto video. Um, copy works. And I noticed in certain clients, like there's certain cultures that like photos more. So you just need to like have, um, just be patient and just like collect data, but experiment a little bit. But you find it's also a way for you to understand what feels like authentic to you. Like maybe mm-hmm. writing is video, photos, but qu- don't you quote photos? I noticed they don't do so well on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they are more like Instagram stuff, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, I got but it. But photos with your faces increases 30% clicks as well. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. Okay. So, like one personalized content, basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, because people want human aspect. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, like my um, the best t- type of text that does the best isn't tactical ones, even though it shows cred. It's the human story ones. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, because then people resonate with it, and it's it's very kind of close to like they just feel that it's it's close to what um, what life is basically. Yes, because I see their story in that story. Yeah, yeah, and- absolutely. So I was just um, wanted to let you know, like all the things that you already know, Annie. It's like I'm just repeating what you say. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's not. I mean that's another thing that I've 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 learned from the very beginning, and I think that's why kind of you know the 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 book related podcast worked worked so well was that you know I, I was having guests and I was telling them you know I have already published several books. I I, I know this stuff. Don't be surprised. I'm going to ask you kind of very simple questions because we're doing this for the listeners and they don't know. Like, you know, I may know, but they don't know. And this is who we are producing it. So don't get surprised. And I, and I think that's the right approach because it, you always have to tailor content to to whoever you're making it for. So, so good. Uh, I guess the last point that is kind of, you know, the last piece of the puzzle about, you know, LinkedIn marketing is... Uh, something that was one of the last points that you mentioned in in those seven pillars, uh, monetization, right? So uh, how how do you approach this? Like, let's say at one point you have large enough audience, it's pretty engaged, uh, um, and uh, you you do have the healthy relationship with them, right? It it's, looks solid, it looks good, it's very positive. How do you kind of you know segue towards actually turning it into business or actually turning it into something that that brings money in as well without you know sounding too like without because sometimes for some people the transition becomes like you know they they segue from this uh free content creative nice and then oh my god i I feel ashamed to ask for money right like it's also the confidence thing because i had to go through that but i believe in my product so much that like, it's like, if you don't, you know, you could always buy my product, but the thing is, like, you always get tapped into my knowledge. And I think um, one way to monetize, depending on what it is, your audience is, like, you have to give them. It's At the end of the day, it's business, right? You have to give something for something. Yeah. And, and that's what um, my business is. Like, in exchange for something, you pay for something. So what is that something? Whether it be a product whether it be a sponsorship thing, like you, there's always something that you could sell. And as an influencer or content creator, you could sell your content. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, you know, get, get your content to be sponsored. 
Um, or you directly sell to your consumer, like your audience. Like what do they want that we're willing to buy? Um, and because like I'm positioning myself as a LinkedIn marketer, then there are professionals and experts who even want uh, a product to help support them to be, become better content creators or better marketers. So mm-hmm. you just have to find like what is the thing that your audience are willing to buy. Otherwise, like there's another way of approaching it is that you monetize uh, to other people who want access to your audience, okay. which is like brands. You get brand dealers. Um, and you could do affiliate marketing as well. That's another approach that YouTubers do a lot. That's why you see them do product reviews quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, being in this space for so long, what do you think is going to be the next development for LinkedIn? Like, what is it going to become? Because it already overcame so many changes. It already became, I mean, I don't think before it was a social network. It wasn't really so much. Now it is kind of, you know, it has this social aspect into it. It it feels so much better in terms of engagement, in terms of connections, in terms of building relationships, partnerships, finding people, etc. So what is next? How is it going to develop from here on, do you think? I think it's, it's still in the early stages of social media, really, right? Mm-hmm. And they haven't even integrated newsletters or um, LinkedIn Live. So I'm kind of curious, Is like, I wonder if LinkedIn Live is ever going to be open. Uh, okay, so it's still in beta. I mean, my personal experience with LinkedIn Live, and I've been doing this for about three months already, um, it's, uh, I feel like, you know, for, for live streamers community, the things that we, you know, we used to do, uh, like there is this difference between live streaming and broadcasting, right? So, you know, if I would like to broadcast something uh, and this is more what I'm doing at the moment with LinkedIn Live because it's not yet adjusted with the right tools, etc. For example, StreamYard, uh, because of the LinkedIn APIs, it can't pull the comments on screen, right? Restreamer so does that. Restreamer does that. Restreamer does? Okay, yeah. cool. But yeah, StreamYard doesn't, which means that you have to look at the stuff, etc. And I feel like the LinkedIn audience is not yet ready for real live stream engagement, right? Uh, Because leaving comment would be the maximum they would do. But like on on Facebook or on Periscope or, you know, in other platforms, what we usually did was, you know, you open up a topic, you just introduce the topic, you talk about it a little bit, and then you get questions. But then also you get people from the audience to jump in on screen and it becomes a discussion and it becomes like a real interaction on a live stream, right? Um, so they feel part of the thing. I, I, you know, I've tried to get that on LinkedIn. Um, the audience is not ready yet to it. So I feel like the LinkedIn live, uh, live streaming beauty of it is not still in place because the audience is not ready. And so I have access to newsletter. And people are beginning, I've seen a number, like I feel like newsletter is more useful than LinkedIn Live. And LinkedIn Live and maybe because like the way the algorithm works and the way they approach content, but like LinkedIn is not like where YouTube is, like where you chill back and um, hang out. Because like live streams are meant to go for one hour. A good one is a minimum one hour or 30 minutes or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But people don't have that hour because they're ready to move on to the next thing. And the way that LinkedIn has trained everyone is that people want um, short content that's easy to read. That's why text is easier than video sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I so, totally get that. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I always say, like, I always tell Andrew around, like, we're not ready for LinkedIn Live, but why do you do live? It's like, I don't know, because, like, I just want to, I'm just being lazy. I'm actually trying to be efficient with my content to go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me personally, you can't upload a video that is longer than 10 minutes or something on LinkedIn. Yes, so I'm can't. doing it. Yeah, so I'm doing it as LinkedIn Live, so I don't have to post-produce, chop it down into smaller pieces, right? So, and I do understand that it's not a real live stream; it's more like a broadcast. But you know, if I could just upload the video that was 50 minutes long just on LinkedIn, probably the live stream was not going to bring added value. So this is like my main reason. Uh, newsletters, I don't have access to the newsletters element of it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because 
I think it's going to work better than articles because I, I personally didn't get any any good reach from articles. Um, and I think, yeah. Newsletters, newsletters is cool because what happens is um, it goes directly to their inbox. Yeah. Which and, is something... And- yeah, and also I think uh, newsletters, I mean, it, it feels like newsletters will be cannibalizing the article feature. Somehow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, well, you remember we went from polls to articles to now newsletters? And I think newsletters was like when I first started out, I didn't see the worth of it. But now, like, it, it's grown faster than my growth on my own channel right now. Oh, okay, interesting. Within, so it's like, so I just like, um, and I had to probably do it weekly, but um, I'm still testing out the flow with it. But I noticed like newsletters are starting to pick up now and people are starting to read back all my old content because I have like yeah. a portfolio of stuff as well. So it just keeps on growing. So I'm, I'm actually watching it. And it's like, oh, newsletter as, newsletters is actually better than live. So do they have an application form to, to apply for a newsletter feature already or it's something that is just for? I don't know. Like I feel like everyone wanted LinkedIn Live, but I have to say like people, newsletter is so much more useful than LinkedIn Live. Um, okay. So we have to wait to get the newsletter feature or apply. Yeah, what, if you have to have like your own newsletter, what would you pitch it as? Uh, uh I think, like you know, uh, based on my interests, like if you if you combine everything, uh, I feel like at the moment in my life I'm on a crossroad between tech and marketing, and I think the tech sector is the one that really needs marketing more because they have been ignoring it since ages, and the type of marketing that they are doing is uh, is data driven marketing which is completely ignoring and forgetting the human aspect of it, the things that you were talking about, the stories, the, you know, the relevance with the audience, the human flavor to the things, um, which is something that is really lacking in the field. So like human marketing for tech spheres is something that I feel it's untapped and I feel like not many people are talking about it because it's very hard to grasp both, right? Yes. So, um, so I think something around that would be very useful, uh, both for the tech uh, startups and tech products, and at the same time for people who are trying to, you know, to help those products get mass adoption. Because trans, you know, being the bridge and translating the tech complex language into human stories is something that uh, not many are actually addressing at the moment. And I think that is the bridge that people need in order to, you know, to be um, interested in all these nice things that are being produced. But unfortunately, no. they are produced from by tech teams. So those teams are don't really speak the human language so much. They, they speak with their uh, terms. They, they, they speak thinking that we understand everything that they say. But it's not always the case. So <laughs> no, I, I hanged up with geeks. I hanged up with a lot of blockchain people, and I love them. But they're really nerdy, and and I and for some reason I seem to understand them. And everyone's like, "What's blockchain?" And it's like, "This is what I think blockchain is." So I've been able. Um, that's why a lot of people try to like. It's like you should come back to blockchain. It's like, nah, I'm enjoying my space at the moment. I found yeah. my niche. I mean, I had, um, I did several uh, interviews at one point uh, from the blockchain space. I was talking to people from blockchain. Um, I think um, that format is not very suitable for their personalities, honestly. Like, you know, if you if you did a, a written interview, probably that would go better because it was very, like, you know, before that I was talking to fiction authors. So, like, the difference in terms of how exciting and how, dynamic the interviews were was very big you know <laughs> uh, so there is a limit to how much you can open up people and you can uh, you know um talk about stuff but some people i mean first of all they haven't done it for so much so for for many it's just the first interview so you, you know you, you need to to get used to it and open up and second uh, again like uh it's it's very hard to to speak to people who who are s- you know about a certain thing, and they can't really convey it into uh, into uh, just a more reasonable conversation for broader audience. So you know, it it will work really well if it's a blockchain related content for the blockchain space. But if you're trying to sort of you know popularize 
the, the idea of the blockchain or, you know, have more people get excited about the whole thing, then you need to speak with, you know, the language that the, these other people who are not techie who understand yeah. it, right? Yes, so. definitely. Um, uh, I, think, I think there's some, um, um, a data-driven marketing that you should check out. They're called Nugget, N-U-G-E-T. So they use data as a way to, um, and they believe in um, humanizing data story. Oh, that's humanizing data. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, what's next for you? Your oh, your future plans? What well, what are you uh, hoping for? What are you aiming for in the future? Uh, to reach about a thousand users by the end of the year, um, or members, and that's like one of my big goals for now. Okay. So let's. Uh, I guess uh, to wrap it up, uh, just tell. What do you offer for whom? So whoever listens to this, uh, be, you know, becomes the next uh, group of people who join and so you get closer to the 1,000 soon. <laughs> and oh, if you're a professional expert and you want to do better on LinkedIn or to be a trusted voice in your industry and leverage LinkedIn, become a member and join the trusted circle. Okay, awesome. And where is it? Like wh where they should go to get it? They On your profile or, or website? Yeah, they, the trustedvoice.co slash the trusted circle. Otherwise, just check me out on my LinkedIn. I have all the details there. Okay, awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. It was really a pleasure to, to meet you. Um, so, yeah, we can have a follow-up, like a small catch-up, uh, uh, but I'll just stop the live stream. So, uh, yeah, I won't be sharing the the personal conversation later on. <laughs> Ciao. Thank you so much for listening. This was all that I had for you today. I truly appreciate every single one of you. If you really enjoyed the episode, uh, please uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that will help the podcast grow, which means that more people who actually need that kind of content and uh, knowledge will be able to discover it and listen to it as well. And if you're one of those who actually um, want to build and grow your online brand, uh, please feel free to contact me uh, on my website, anialexander.com, and let's see if I can help you with that. That's all. Please stay safe and stay home. And hopefully this situation will be resolved uh, soon and we'll get out of this much stronger. Take care. See you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.